The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. It is uh, good to be with you guys this morning. Um, I'll be bringing the word this week and next week. So uh, if you don't like what I have to say this week, don't come next week. So uh, now, anyways, I, I, I love preaching. Um, I love um, hearing from the Lord. I love talking um, about the Lord uh, and sharing with you guys the goodness of the Lord. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, what's the, the, my favorite thing about preaching has to be the accountability that I feel when the Lord, you know, um, puts, puts us on stage, you know, and puts us in front of a crowd of people. And um, when God called me into ministry, I know Jimmy feels the same way, that you feel this responsibility to shepherd the flock, right? You, you know, like Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. And uh, it's amazing uh, to have that, uh, that accountability. I am so thankful. Like I just, I mean, I, I feel um, as um, challenged in my rhythms as you guys do, spending time with Jesus every day. You know, like I can promise you, if you are busy, I am busier. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's like, like Jimmy talked about last week, man. When we, when we just we carve out margin and time to spend with Jesus, man, the, even, though the, even though even amidst the excessive busyness, man, the Lord is good and he works in that. It gives us rest, you know, like we talk about in discipleship a lot where we, like, we, we, we should be um, uh, working from rest instead of resting from work. And so anyways, uh, it is good, man. I'm thankful for the Lord. Uh, the, I'm thankful for my time with the Lord this week, man. It was really good. You know, and God gave me some insight just into the life of David. Like I, I, I was, I, I couldn't help but think and put myself in the position of David, you know, like he's a shepherd boy, right? And tending the sheep all by himself. He gets called, you know, uh, in into the house by his father, Jesse, and there's prophet Samuel there, you know, and and Samuel says, this is indeed the next king of Israel. <laughs> Dumps the oil on him. He is anointed. And then he goes back out. Goes back out into the, into the pasture, right? And he's tending the sheep again. And he's, he's kind of thinking, man, like, what, like, I'm, like, what does that mean? What, is, what does this mean for my life? And I remember feeling similar. I remember giving my life to Jesus in a Central United Methodist Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and going, what does this mean? What does this mean? Like, I just gave my life to Jesus. Like, the Holy Spirit just poured oil on the head of my life. What does this mean? You know, and, and the, like Jimmy likes to say a lot of times, man, that faith goes from our head to our heart, man. It's different. It's different knowing Jesus you know, uh, believing him mentally that like the word is, is the Lord and, and that salvation is, is real and this and that. And it's another thing to just, man, have it settle in your heart where it's like Jeremiah said, man, it's in my, it's like shut up like a fire in my bones, man. You can't explain it. It's in there. It's deep. And so, um, he finds himself playing music, you know, before Saul, who's distressed, has a distressed spirit upon him from the Lord, right? And um, Saul is being tormented in a way. And, uh, and anyway, so David finds himself 
like marrying, um, well, Saul falsely promises, right, that he who kills the giant will marry my daughter, right? Well, not so, right? The, the, the daughter ends up, uh, Saul's uh, oldest daughter ends up marrying uh, someone else, and, uh, and, but nonetheless, he is given Michael into marriage, so he marries Michael. But David finds himself still in this weird spot now, like, you know, and, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 19 this week, but Samuel is, I'm sorry, uh, David, excuse me, David finds himself in this weird place where he's just like, man, the king, like I get called to the court, play the music, and here comes a spear by my neck, you know, and it sticks into the wall. That's happened twice. It'll happen once again when we get into chapter 19. But I found myself like this week just reflecting um, on, like I feel like David sometimes. I'm like, David was like, man, like I, here I was. Like I was, I was, man, I was just doing my thing. Like I was in the pasture, like I was tending the sheep. I was working my job. I was, you know, doing normal things. And then I got called. And then all of a sudden, like I find myself like under major attack. The king that I was called to play the harp for the king that I'm actually going to replace, he, he wants to kill me. And you, we'll see later on next week, to give you a little teaser here, men like David and Jonathan, you, we see in the last two chapters, and, and even in 19 here, man, like Jonathan, man, Saul's son was David's best friend. He was an amazing friend to David, man. Like uh, he, in fact, like I think God sent Jonathan to like keep David encouraged. And, but yet, and then you will see in chapter 20, man, they have to split and they hold each other and they weep and they cry. And Jonathan says, may the Lord be between me and you forever. Like their hearts are broken, man. Like, and it's all because of Saul. It's because of Saul and the devil working through him. And it's creating tragedy and frustration and, and, a, and a negative curiosity in David's life. I know he was thinking, what am I doing? And in fact, skipping ahead briefly in, in chapter 20, which we'll get into deeply next week, man, David says, is it my sin? Is it my sin, Lord? Like my friend is gone. The king wants to kill me. I have nowhere to sleep. I'm running around ragged. Is it my sin, Lord? Is that why things are challenging in my life? And I feel like that sometimes too. Like full disclosure, man. Like sometimes when things are difficult in my life, the devil tricks me into thinking, it's me, it's gotta be you, Shay. It must be your sin in your life. And when I sit with the Lord and I ask him, God, would well, just show me if it is me, like help me, like get it out of here. And he's like, well, it's not you, man. It's not your sin. Not, not that I'm sinless, but he says, it's not your sin. You're not being punished, man. You have a real enemy. Like there is a a real Satan that is after your life and you're in the battle, dude. That's why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. Like the kingdom, Shay, is before you, man. Like when your heart is set upon the things of God, dude, like trial is coming your way, man. That's what you signed up for. When the oil comes upon your head, when the spirit of God descends into your life, man, you're signing up for this, bro. 
You are a warrior, but much like David, man. It says every time that David went into battle, the hand of God gave him incredible victory. Incredible victory. And so let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. And then so Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father. This is Jonathan. He's telling David, go out into the field, man. Go in a secret place and hide a little bit. Go in the bushes, go behind the rock, go in the cave, wherever you need to go. And I'm going to step over here and I'm going to talk to Saul about you. And he says, verse three, I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. And thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his own hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. He's reminding his dad. This is Jonathan going, King, Dad, Pop, what are you doing trying to kill this guy, man? You, you, you asked of the, of the Lord, who will stand up and fight this Philistine? Um, and, and little David shows up and slays the guy. He says, you rejoiced in that, Dad. I watched you. I watched you celebrate God's deliverance through David over the Philistine. He's reminding him. And he says, um, uh, why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So it says Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Now there's a pattern here, right? Saul just makes a lot of empty promises. This is one of the many that will come. Then it says, then Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him all the things that were said. So Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in times past. So Jonathan goes and gets David. David goes back into the courts. It says, uh, and then there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and they fled from him. So God gave David once again another victory in the battle uh, against the Philistines. Here's what's cool and here's where we're going with the talk today. There's four ways in this chapter that we see Jesus show up for David. Four ways. The first way right here is through intercession. Intercession. So Jonathan was the prince to, of, the, of Israel. He, that's how the kingdom is to be ordered, right? The son of the king is the prince. He is to be the next king. Now Jonathan knew David was to be the next king, but at this time, like Jonathan is serving as the prince. And so G the, the parallel here is for us, Jesus. Jesus is the prince of peace. He is our intercessor. 
What, do you, what we see here is a type. This is common in the Old Testament, right? We see a type of Jesus. What we see here is the, the son, Jonathan, advocating before the father on behalf of David. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. There is a real enemy that is after our life that proclaims boldly, he wants to kill us. Exactly as Saul is boldly proclaiming, he shall die. Even though he makes false promises, ah, surely as the Lord lives, he will not die. That wasn't a truth for a half second, right? Saul's intent was to kill David. And so, um, so too is Satan's intent upon our lives. But God continues to deliver. So the first way is through the prince, through Jesus. Jesus always advocates for us with the Father. He's always pleading our case. Like Jonathan was saying, don't you remember, Dad? Don't you remember the good man? The Lord is all over this guy's life. Jesus is doing the same thing with the Father, with us, saying, Father, would you bless him? Father, you don't even see their sin anymore. Father, like I went to the cross for them because like he's, he's asking the Father to be patient with us. And, and, and loving and, in, and, and absent uh, of un, unnecessary judgment. Like Jesus is always interceding. He's always saying, man, like you see my, my servant down there, he's struggling, Lord, would you, would you just intercede, God? Would you, would you supernaturally um, get involved in this circumstance? You know, whatever it may be. And so I love that Jesus is always, always interceding for us. In verse nine, it says, now, now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. So I did have a question for you. What kind of, what's in your hand? What kind of instrument is in your hand? Saul had a spear in his hand. David had a harp in his. And I think sometimes, man, we can approach the kingdom even. We can approach church in two different ways. Some people come to church with a sword, man. They want to pick apart the message. They want to figure out if the lights are too bright or too dark. They want to figure out, man, is the coffee too hot or too cold? Man, like, should there be someone opening the door for me or not? Man, is the parking lot painted? They got a spear, man, a sword in their hand, and they're, they're just like this, man. Like, like the kingdom is theirs and like people aren't doing it right. And then there's other people that just say, man, I'm going to come and I'm going to sing unto the Lord. Man, the Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. They're basically living out Psalm 119, man, which is just an exounding praise upon who Jesus is. And so what, man, what's in your hand? Like, are you picking apart the church? Not necessarily, maybe this one, maybe another one, just the body of Christ. Like, are, are you you doing this a little bit? Are you throwing the spear? Or are you playing the heart, man, and said, man, I know it, the Lord is good. And I will praise him. I will worship him. I will surrender my life to him. I will sing unto him regardless of what it looks like. And I am trusting, surrendered, that the church is his and not mine. I ask you that question. In verse 10, we see, Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence. This is the third time a spear was launched at David. And he drove the spear into the wall. David fled and escaped that night. 
Verse 11, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the evening. <laughs> like, I read that fast, but I'm just thinking like, can you imagine, man, he, he's under attack at all times. Saul is sending messengers that are, could you imagine if you went to sleep with your wife and there were dudes camped out around your house and you knew for sure they were sent by the king to come and kill you? What if Trump sent some homies around your house and you knew for sure that black, that black van and that black van and those dudes are coming for me because Trump wants to kill me? Like, could you imagine, man? You wouldn't be sleeping, I know that. So David is under attack, man. He is being... Um, excessively uh, tormented here. But it says, Michael, David's wife, I'm in verse 11, told him saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So God is using his wife to speak truth into him. So Michael let David down through a window. Does that remind anybody of anything? Like the story of Rahab, right? Where she had let the spies down through the window in Jericho. And he went and fled and escaped. Listen to this. Michael, verse 13, took an image. That's interesting. The word image there is teraphim. Teraphim. I, I looked that up. It means idol or vanishing one. We'll come back to that. But she took an image or an idol and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair around his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she told him he's sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. Like, he's so maddened. He's like, I don't care if he's sick. Bring him in his bed. Pick up the bed off the ground and bring that dude in the bed. I'm going to kill him. And he says, in verse 16, and when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered and said, this is tactful. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? She basically lied to Saul and told him he forced me into it. He said, if I didn't set him free, that he was going to kill me. Like she's saying, I feared for my life, Saul. That's, that's why I did it, which is not true. But so David fled in his, oh, I'm sorry. I need to pause there. Verse 17. So what God did was used Michael, his wife, right? This is a type or a picture of the bride of Christ, the church, and God uses the church to deliver us from the attack. So we first see where God, um, what was I saying? The first one. Come on. Prince, Jesus. <laughs> the, Jesus, the prince, he intercedes for us. That's the first way God delivers under attack. The second way, man, God uses the church. Here's what's crazy. This is pretty cool, man. I feel like the Lord gave me this. Michael, as loving and amazing of a wife as I'm sure she was to David, she had an image in her, she had idols just laying around her house. 
like literally, like just idols, vanishing ones, laying around her house. But she, she actually used that. She puts this idol, lays it under the bed, puts goat's hair around it, disguises it as David, and tells the messengers, the dudes in the black van, right, that he's sick. And, you know, and then Saul says, oh, man, I'll, I'll kill him in his bed. Just bring the whole bed, you know. But she uses, and then she lies. Then she lies to Saul when he asked, why have you deceived me? He said, I didn't deceive you, man. He said he was going to kill me, you know. Here's the deal. Like, we are imperfect, man. The church is imperfect. The people, me, we are imperfect, but not in the eyes of the Lord. In the eyes of the Lord, man, we are perfect. We are an unblemished bride in the eyes of Jesus. And so I come back to this idea of like, what is in your hand? Is it a sword or a harp? Man, you have to realize the church isn't perfect. There is not a perfect church. The church, the body of Christ, is not perfect from eye level on the earth. But from heaven looking down, it is unblemished. Amen. And so, man, you need to know, like, you need, that needs to sit in somebody's heart today. That, man, the church is not perfect. And you need to lay the sword down and pick up the harp and start singing unto the Lord. It is His church. And He uses the church, even though we're broken and we fail, and we drop the ball, and we are liars, we are adulterers, we are idolaters. Man, that is us. It is all of the church. And yet God uses us when we need it most. God uses the church to help us out in times of need under great attack. If you are moving the kingdom forward, if you are storming the gates of hell like Jesus said we would do when you go and make disciples, attack is coming your way. And God's going to use the church to encourage you. Then in verse 18, he says, So David fled and escaped, and he went to Samuel at Ramah. Samuel, man, just steady Eddie, faithful man, always there for David. Samuel's been through it all with David from the beginning. He's seen him as a shepherd boy. He anointed him. He watched him slay the giant. Man, he's been there through everything with David. And here David goes and seeks counsel from the prophet Samuel. And he says, um, and, he told, and David tells him all that Saul had done to him. And he stayed, or I'm sorry, and he and Samuel, in verse 18, went and stayed at Naoth. What I like here, it says they went, they, they traveled to a spot in Naoth. Man, there's a little free flyby nugget here. Man, sometimes like when people are in need, Man, you just spend time with them. Like when someone passes away, someone loses a family member, and if God gives you an opportunity to just spend time with them, there's nothing you need to say. Samuel didn't speak words of wisdom. He didn't preach at him. He didn't do anything. It says he just went with him. He stayed with him. He spent time with him. And there's a, that's exactly what Jesus does with us. When we let him in, like when we go and see Jesus, when we go to spend time with him, they say he, he goes with us. He spends time with us. He's there for us. David went to Samuel to be encouraged in a great time of need. We too need to go to Jesus to be encouraged in a great time of need. He's always there. Samuel was so reliable through his entire life and is such an admirable man of God that we look up to. And Jesus is, you know, the ultimate friend 
the ultimate savior, the only, right? But man, he's always available. And the prophets, man, like the word, Jesus is the word, right? We all know this, Jesus is the word, man, but this is always with you. Like when you're in need, man, you can, you can identify like I was this week with David, not just hearing about him in Samuel, but going into the Psalms, man, and just soaking in them and going, man, this guy's life was tough. David was a man after God's own heart. Like I couldn't think of a more honorable and admirable thing to be said of a man. If I die and they put me in a casket in this church and someone said that was a man after God's own heart, like, amen, man, praise the Lord. But it, his life wasn't easy. It was hard, man. I, I guarantee you, hard, not one person in this room has had a spear thrown at their head three consecutive times by a king. I know it. His life was hard, okay? And, it, but it's, you know, so, but he spends time with Jesus, right? The Lord was what was David's strength. And Samuel here, though, is playing the role of Jesus in our life. This is awesome. So that was the third one. Jesus is, the, is, is acting as the prophet Samuel, right? Or the prophet Samuel is acting as a type of Jesus for us. When in time of need, we need Jesus. But listen to this. It says, I'm going to skip down to verse 20. This is awesome. This is funny. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. So David's with Samuel. He's encouraged, spending time with him. It says, then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. <laughs> it's like, so here's David with Samuel. I can imagine Samuel's going to meet with his D group guys, spending a little time in fellowship together. They're caught up in the Spirit. The Lord is among them. I can imagine they're singing songs. They're prophesying. They're in the Spirit, man. Life is good. They're in fellowship with the Lord. The messengers that Saul sends to go get David, they get caught up in the mix. They're like coming to get David to take him away to get killed. And they're like, man, these guys are like singing unto the Lord. Like there's the joy of Jesus in their life. Like, and they, it says they start prophesying. Like that is hilarious to me. They, the, Saul, representative of the devil, was sent, you know, sends these guys to go get David to kill him. And here they are, man, singing unto the Lord. Like, that'd be like a guy that comes in here, you know, with, with, the, with, the, with the most evil of intentions, man. Like, literally, like to kill us all. And next thing you know, man, the dude's up here with a guitar next to Corey singing about the goodness of the Lord. That's amazing. And then get this. Verse 21, and when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Next wave of dudes, they, they joined the party. Um, and then Saul sent messengers again the third time. They also prophesied. Then he went to Ramah. You know Saul was like, what is going on, man? I'm going to go see this for myself. And he came to the great well that is at Seku, and he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they're in Naoth at Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. Speaking of Saul. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth. 
in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner. And he lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul among the prophets? Like this dude is laying down naked day and night, worshiping the Lord. That's bizarre. That's extremely bizarre. I I mean, you have to admit, I have to admit. So what's happened here though, man, is Saul is just so clearly caught up in the spirit, man. So much so that he's like, yes. (laughs) He's like, and he just, the anger and the, and the madness uh, and the satanic, you know, uh, driven nature is gone. He is prophesying. He is enjoying fellowship. Uh, the Lord catches him up in the spirit. I want to remind you guys of a story that um, I may have told you guys a while back. In the spirit of hunting season, man, like it is the rut right now, and bucks are definitely chasing does around the woods right now. But uh, last year, about this time, I was on a farm that I had leased, and Jimmy was out there hunting with me. It was an afternoon hunt. Long story short, like I send Jimmy down in the creek bottom. I'm going to hunt a field edge. Life is good. I parked the side by side, you know, kind of up on the hill. I told Jimmy, hey, man, go and hunt. Have a great time. You know, uh, you shoot something, text me, whatever. You know, anyway, I'll meet you back at the gate. Okay, cool. So we hunt. We don't see anything. Um, We come back. I get my side by side. It's dark by this time. Dark. I'm driving my side by side. Jimmy's down in the creek bottom somewhere. And I drive over by the gate. Jimmy's not there. I'm like, come on, bro. Like, Jimmy's got a lot of gear. His pack weighs like 60 pounds. So he's probably packing up his gear, running a little late. I was like, I tell you what, I'm going to run back to the truck, drop all my stuff, my bow and my pack and everything, and then I'll go back and pick him. Should be enough time. So I'm pulling into the driveway, and I see these headlights coming at me, and I'm like, what's up with that? Like, that, that's odd. And then I see the car park sideways in the road. And I'm like, that's even more odd. I'm out in a very remote area. And I, so I kind of drive over there and I got a weird feeling. I got a really weird feeling about me. I'm like, this is odd. This is not, this, this can't be good. But as I was going anyway, so I pull up there and there's a guy in basketball shorts and slides. I know what slides are, socks and slides. Um, anyway, it's kind of funny. Uh, he, uh, anyway, he's standing there. And then I was like, that can't be good. And so I get, I'm in full camo, keep in mind, full camo, face paint. And I get out of the side by side and I'm like, hey man, can I help you? And man, this guy yanks a gun out of the pocket of his basketball shorts. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm going to kill you, man. He was nuts. I mean, nuts. So he- like gun, forehead, poking. And I'm like, I'm like, hey man. Like, and I could tell it was crazy. The the Lord just like came over me and I was just like, what's up, man? Like what? And he's like, I'm going to kill you, man. Don't say a word. I mean, F-bomb, 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 F-bomb. His name was Kevin. And I, I, for, I said, what's your name, buddy? What is your name, man? For the, for the love of God, what is your name? Like what? And I thought it was in a dream. And he said, and he thought he was so strung out on meth. He thought I was an undercover cop. He was freaked out, man, because he saw my headlights driving at him, and he was taking a country road back home so he wouldn't get pulled over. And he thought I was a cop getting ready to, you know, bust him. He was, he was panicked. I mean, he was in complete paranoia. And anyway, it was like, this guy's got a gun at me, gun at me, blah, blah, blah. 
And all of a sudden, man, like, I just feel the Lord come over this guy. Like, literally, I was like, Kev, 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 I'm not a cop, bro. Like, I'm, I'm just a deer hunter, man. I'm out here just trying to find a buck. It, I said, I'm not undercover. I'm like, dude, I don't have anything to prove that, but I'm just an average dude, you know? And, uh, and he starts crying, just <gasps> weeping. And, and I said, man, give me a hug, bro after you put your gun in the car. So he puts his gun in the car and closes the door. And man, we just start hugging. And I said, bro, I can't believe this is happening. I'm like, I said, what's going on, Kev? Tell me your story, man. He just says, man, I've been a meth addict my whole life, man. He's like, and I just feel, I feel shamed that like I've done this to you. I said, you should. I said, I'm a father at the time of three kids. You should feel shamed. Uh, I said, I'm not going to shame you, but that's normal that you're feeling like that. You've got no right to poke a gun at me in the middle of the night, claim you're going to kill me, that I'm a cop, because I'm not. Like, you're full of lies, dude, you know? And I'm hugging him, telling him this. And it's like, but it was crazy. And I said, well, what's the deal? And he said, man, I've been doing math. I'm high as a kite. I swear to God, the cops were all over me. I thought you were one of them, this and that. He's like, man, I've just been paranoid for the last five years of my life, blah, blah, blah. Man, this guy just dumps his life out like in a messy pile right in front of me. But he was caught up in the spirit, man. And he just said, man, thanks for not doing, don't, thanks for not hurting me. I'm like, you're the one with the gun, man. <laughs> you know, but he was thanking me. And like, and so anyways, I jump him in the side by side. And I, and I don't know where Jimmy's at this point. Jimmy's still in the creek bottom. And I'm thinking in my head, he's not going to believe this story. And so I'm driving around in these back roads, and I'm talking to Kev. And I'm sharing the gospel with him. I said, Kev, Jesus can set you free, man. I don't know if you're ready to receive him tonight, man, but he is on you like flies on a stinky pile, man. Like, He's all over you right now, dude. He sent me divine. If you don't believe that Jesus sent me into your life, you're really foolish. Look where we are, man. I'm like, we're on, where are we? And who are you? Like, I was getting in this guy. And anyways, he's, he's like, man, I don't know. And then he didn't receive Jesus that night. I asked him if he wanted to, and he said, I don't know. I don't know anything. He's high on meth. I didn't want to lead him to the Lord anyway because he's drugged out. But... I don't know what God did there. I do know that God saved me from a, there's no doubt in my mind the devil intended for that boy to shoot me that night. High on drugs, there's no doubt, man. He, he was one inch away from shooting me right in the forehead. And God saved me. And I ended up hugging this guy. And I told him, man, I grabbed him by his cheeks like Billy Madison did to that little fat kid on the movie, right? I said, he loves you, man. And I said, I love you. And I said, I don't, I'm not worried about all this tonight. And I don't know what God's doing, but I said, man, when you're not high, you need to go home and give your life to Jesus, man. And I said, and don't stop anyone else on the way home and act as crazy as you did with me. And I sent him on. Jimmy ended up filming a buck fight in the creek that night, which is pretty amazing. Jimmy's coming out of the creek. So I finally get over to Jimmy and he's coming up out of the creek bottom. Hey, bro, you're not going to believe this, man. I got me a big old buck fight on camera. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. <laughs> you are not going to believe what just happened to me. And anyways, I'm like, so 
We're, and, and so I was like, but I do want to see the buck video. So we're watching it on his thing. And this whole time, my side-by-side has been off, but I had the lights on when I was with Kevin. Batteries going down. And so we're, I'm way down in the creek bottom because I drove down there. He still wasn't up top. Long story short, man, the, it dies. Side-by-side dies. And I'm like, you're kidding me, man. I'm like, all this... Uh, we're out here, and we were far. I'm, I'm no cell phone service. I'm like, this is a joke. I literally remember being like, I was so like, I, I really believe like the Lord was just all over the situation. And I'm like, I'm like, in Jesus' name, man, like I need this thing to start. And it just fired up. And I was blown away. I really was. I was like, Pwah. I was just laughing. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what, that was definitely you. But that thing was dead as a door now. I mean, when I turned it, it went, you know, dead. I was like, in Jesus' name, fired right up. So anyway, I say all that to say, man, I've experienced that in my own life. God can just supernaturally, man, the spirit of God is powerful and he can come upon any situation. So I hope that is an encouragement to you guys. And as I'm landing the plane, I'll have Corey come up and I'll close this out here um, with a few comments but in summary, man, there's the three, the four ways that we see in this story that God, in the midst of attack, provides and, and steps in. Certainly, Jonathan, as our Christ, pleading for our case, advocating to us before the Father. The woman, man, his wife, Michael, sweet Michael, broken Michael, was used of the Lord to spare David in a time of attack. Samuel, man, Samuel just modeling what it's like to be Jesus in someone's life. Always there for David. Always there, walking with him, offering wisdom, offering companionship, offering shelter. That is Jesus, man. And then the spirit that befuddled David's enemies, man. The spirit caught these dudes up into worship. So I don't know if today you might be feeling um, similar uh, to the way that I have felt at times where you're like, man, I was living this life and life, it was hard. I had my challenges, but it was definitely easy. And then the spirit comes on me and I feel like, oh man, I got to give my life to Jesus. Like I want to be saved. I have a heart for the Lord. I get saved and all of a sudden, man, things really get serious. Things really get sour. And I'm like, wondering, I'm like, is it my sin? Is it me? Like, what, what is happening? Why is this so much more difficult than I believed that it would be? But man, we see the faithfulness of God over and over. And man, when we get into the this, this story even further in the coming weeks, man, we'll see that God really continues to um, expand David's influence in the nation of Israel, man. So instead of just like, uh, being kind of a solo guy, playing the harp for Saul, you know, and being ministered to by Samuel, man, he gets put on a platform and he starts leading lots of people. And it's awesome. And the kingdom was moved forward. He was indeed the king promised by the Lord. And like God is faithful to finish what he has started in your life. And so if you're feeling like, man, it's challenging, like, it's tough. I don't know where I'm at or what I'm doing. I need help, whatever. Man, let the Lord finish that work in you. And, and, and don't complain about the challenges like I have. It does not going to get you anywhere, man. Just start praising the Lord. 
Instead of asking the Lord, why is this happening? Just say, Lord, you're good, man, you're good. And it takes a softening of the heart. It takes the body. It takes spending time with Jesus. It takes the move of the spirit to come over us, man, to change our hearts when we are cold towards the things of the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.